You are listening to the preaching ministry of Christ Church San Antonio. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.christchurchsa.com. Thank you for listening. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 96, 1 through 6. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Zephaniah three seventeen, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thank you, Lauren. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help as we come before your word. We pray that you would be at work among us, helping us to believe that the gospel is true, that you are with us, that because of what you have done for us in Christ, we can rejoice and be glad. And God, we ask that as we consider this major theme in the Psalms of worship, of singing, of rejoicing to the Lord, that you would be at work forming us into image bearers who delight to know you and to give you glory. And we pray that you would use our time this morning for that purpose. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a YouTube phenomenon that comes from this late night show, a guy named James Corden. I think that's his name. He's a British guy that has a late night show. And the phenomenon is called carpool karaoke. Any of you guys heard of that? I just came across that recently in the last week or so and fell into one of those, you know, online deep dives and ended up, before I knew it, I'd watched like eight of these. And uh, it's where James Corden drives around in a vehicle with some famous uh, pop star or musician and they sing in the car together famous songs from this artist. And there's something about it that is just really compelling. It's really, really fun. My favorite one is the one where he has Adele, because Adele's voice, that's like a weapon, you know? I mean, it's not, a, it's not a voice, that's a weapon. And uh, she's just unbelievable. But part of the thing I love the most about it is that James Corden really gets into it. it. Reminds me of me in my car when I'm by myself, singing out loud to the song. And this is a super, super popular bit. It's the most popular thing that this show has done. And I wonder why. You ever thought about that? What is it about this that's so popular? I mean, obviously the celebrity uh, status of some of the musicians that get in the car with him, that helps. He has some big names that come and sing with him. But I'm convinced that part of it is just that singing together is one of the most interesting and compelling things that humans do. And, you know, it used to be much more common in our world that we would sing together. We used to sing in the sitting rooms of homes. We used to sing in bars, so I've heard. We used to, uh, we used to sing at work, whistle while you work, right? But, but that doesn't happen that often anymore, does it? 
I mean, the idea of people singing together in our society has greatly diminished. Really, we only do it like in the seventh inning stretch of baseball games, sometimes at concerts, or in church. And if you're new to church, or if you haven't been in church for a long time, it's, it's worth acknowledging that it's just weird singing. A bunch of people standing, facing the same direction, singing out loud is strange in part because it's so uncommon now in our world. As we've been going through this series this summer on the songs of summer, the Psalms, one thing that we haven't really touched on is maybe what you know the Psalms the most for, and that is the Psalms are the songbook of the Bible. Again and again and again, we read Psalms like 95 and 96 that call the people of God to sing, to sing. You might even be able to say that the main commandments of the entire Psalms, of the entire Psalter, is to sing. We've seen that the Psalms express the full fullness of human emotion before the face of God, and we've looked at various Psalms in the last few weeks together. And we're going to close up the series this morning by looking at these twin Psalms, part of which Lauren read, Psalm 95 and Psalm 96. These Psalms share very similar characteristics and themes. And in fact, the main type of Psalm we have not looked at this summer is a Psalm of praise, And that's what both of these are. And um, as we listen to these two psalms together this morning, we can see that one of the major objectives, again, of this songbook of the Bible is to teach God's people, to teach you and to teach me to sing, to sing praise to God, to make a joyful noise to God. And so we're going to consider that theme, that idea, as Psalm 95 and Psalm 96 and many other psalms, by the way, lay out for us. And so here's the main point that Psalm 95 and Psalm 96 drive into our hearts. God's people sing for two reasons, to obey God and to reflect God. And so those are our two points this morning. We sing to obey God according to the Psalms, and we sing, secondly, to reflect God. Now, I've already told you this is going to be a shorter sermon. Terrible thing for a pastor to say at the very beginning of a sermon. But bear with me. There's light at, at the tunnel that's shorter than most tunnels. So let's look at these two points together, okay, this morning. We sing to obey God. That's the first thing that these two psalms tell us about. Look at 95 verse 1 and 96 verse 1. Both of these psalms begin with the author summoning the people of God to do something. And what is it? To sing, right? And these verses, by the way, are not suggestions, They're not God saying, you know, it'd really be nice if you would consider doing this. These are directives. These are imperatives. These are commands. The Psalms call God's people to sing because God commands it. I mean, look at what the verses say. 95.1, let us sing. That's a command, third person command. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. 96.1, sing, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. So the singing that the Psalms ask of us, they ask these things of us because in part our singing is an act of obedience to God. And we see repeatedly these commands in these two Psalms again and again. Look at 95, 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Verse 6. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our God, our maker. And 96 is similar. Verse 2. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all 
all the peoples. Notice there that this is an extensive command. All the earth, everyone, indiscriminately, is called through this psalm by God to give God praise via singing, via a joyful noise, by means of music. And I want you to see as well that the psalms are very clear. They're commanding us to sing to God about God. Look at the text with me. We sing because of who God is and because of what God has done. Look in 95.3. We've been called to sing and then he gives the reason. Verse 3, 4. Here's why. The Lord is a great God, a great king above all the gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The height of the mountains also are his. And then we see the same thing in verse, chapter 96, verse 4. 4. Here's the reason why you should declare God's glory via singing. God is great. He's greatly to be praised. He is to be feared. All the gods of the people aren't really gods. They're worthless idols. But the Lord, Yahweh, He made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. So our songs should primarily be Godward in their focus. That's what these psalms are getting at. I mean, just look. We sing that God is great. We sing that He's a king. He created and controls everything. He cares for us, 95.7. He sing, saves, 96.2. He's glorious, 96.3. He's worthy of praise, 96.4. He's fearful. He has splendor, majesty, and strength, 96.6. So these two psalms are really good examples of what our own psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, when we're gathered in worship, should be like. These psalms are, they're packed. They're packed full with the triumph of God's grace, with the majesty of God's power. They're full of the character of God. They're immensely and entirely captivated by God's goodness and God's glory. They're immersed in who God is and in what God has done. Isn't that clear in these chapters? And so we clearly see that singing is commanded by God of us. And that singing about God and about God's work in the gospel and in creation is commanded. You know, it's a fair question to ask. Why did God command us to sing these things? You ever thought about that? I mean, I, I suppose it's within the realm of possibility that we could just get up or that all of the service of worship would just be a sermon or that we would just speak or chant in some weird way these things to each other. But no, we are to sing why? What is it about singing? What is it about music? What is it about setting truth to the rhythms of sound and vocal cords and instruments that adds to our experience of who God is and to our worship of who God is? Why? Why do we sing? I want you to consider with me that it's not just an abstract command. God was very wise in creating us to sing and in desiring for us to sing. And here are a few thoughts about why singing itself is so important as we're being formed into God's people. And some of these thoughts come from a good friend of mine <clears throat> whose name is Scott Finch. I served on a staff, church staff with him some years ago, and he is now a professor of worship music at Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. And he and I have had multiple conversations about this idea. Why singing? And he's really informed me on this. So here's some reasons, three reasons actually, why singing is an important part of our worship and why the Psalms command us to sing. First, singing is one of the chief ways that we express human emotion. 
Um, that's part of the reason why we find the vast array of human emotions that we find in the Psalms, even more than in other parts of the Bible. There's something about music that helps exfoliate our souls. You know, think about it this way. Why are musicals so popular? I don't know why, to be honest. I mean, I'm not a musical person. I don't get it. But they're very popular. It's never been my, well, I'll stop. That's one of my hobby horses. But musicals are popular. And, and I think one of the reasons is because they capture the depth of human response and emotion and life in a way that regular movie scripts don't do. I mean, I think it goes without saying, even though I'm saying it here, that something about music, something about singings, enables people to express our emotions, to express what we believe about ourselves and about God and about the world in a way that normal speaking doesn't do. And that's one reason why God commands us to do it. A second reason that God tells us to sing is because singing is one of the best ways to remember and to learn what God has done and who God is. After the Exodus, which you read about in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, Moses in Deuteronomy 32 says, hey, Israel, let's not forget what God has done here. And do you know what Moses does? He composes a song. Deuteronomy 32 is a song about God bringing the people of Egypt, the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, about God's salvific work in saving them out of bondage in the Old Testament. And part of the reason that I think Moses composed a song is because songs help people remember. They teach us, they have pedagogical value. They teach us what God has done, and we can pass those down from generation to generation. God knows this about us. That's the way He made us. And so part of what the Scriptures tell us is that if we are going to grow in the gospel, we must remember it and recall it in times of need. And songs help us to do that. You know, music therapy takes place with frequency in places like nursing homes and prisons and orphanages. And it's used to equip people for success mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually and socially and especially verbally. If you have children, you know this is true. Marianne and I have spent a lot of time trying to help our children learn Bible verses and tell them Bible stories and catechize them. And the most effective thing we've found is worship music or the catechism, the shorter catechism, for example, set to music. There's some great resources out there. Seeds Family Worship is one of which that we find very helpful. And you know what? Those songs, we started those with Nate and Ainsley six, seven years ago, and they still remember them because music helps us retain information. It helps us remember and believe what is true about the gospel, what is true about God. And so we need great gospel songs, right? Singing helps us express our emotion. Singing helps us remember and believe what God has done and who God is. And then thirdly, singing and making music allows us to worship holistically. What I mean by that is that it allows us to engage our whole persons, physical, emotional, mental. For example, um, this is from my friend Dr. Finch. Singing and making music, he says, has even been shown in studies to help the brain balance emotion through the release of endocrine. All you medicine people, don't come correct me afterwards. Um, It helps us coordinate the brain's thinking and logic. 
it creates a healthy avenue for imagination and for expression. There's all sorts of you know, scientific evidence that music helps us in these ways. And here's, you know, here's the way I think about it. It's no coincidence that music is used before virtually every athletic event to pump up the teams and the crowd. I mean, why do you think Eye of the Tiger is such a great song? Everybody listens to Eye of the Tiger, or at least I did. I used to listen. My kids, they go to swim lessons. Dad, put on Eye of the Tiger. I mean, that says something about me, probably more than it says about them. But the point is, music gets them geared up and primed in a way that me saying, hey, I hope y'all do really well in swim lessons today. They want to hear that bass line right before Rocky ends the Cold War in Rocky IV, which we all know is what happened, right? Again, I'm veering off the point. So again, in every film that we love, the, the critical moments, the crucial times in those movies, there's background music that adds to the resonance. It adds to the ethos of the film. Music, music unquestionably gives us a more holistic, a more full-personed, fully-orbed experience of whatever it is we're engaging in. And it's the same with our relationship with God. It's the same with our worship. God tells us to sing because our, our bodies, our physical bodies, are very well connected to the ambiance of music. No lasting culture that I'm aware of has an absence of music. Isn't that a profoundly interesting thing? So God was wise in giving us music to help us remember Him, to help us to love Him, to help us to express His greatness to Him and to ourselves and to each other. So God tells us to sing. He doesn't suggest that you sing. He commands that you sing. Can we just pause for a second? Let's consider an application, a very simple application. And let me put this bluntly. If God commands us to sing when we are gathered, and you don't sing when we are gathered, what conclusion can you draw? Here's what you can draw. You're disobeying God. It's a command. God says, sing. And to refuse to sing in a worship service is disobedience. It's not primarily about your preferences, your options, or your mood. It's a matter of obedience to God in heaven who tells you again and again and again to do this because he is out for your good. Now, don't come at me with, well, I don't know the songs or I think this song theologically is way off. There's some valid things there, but those are exceptions, or at least they should be exceptions. There are reasons where sometimes we're not going to sing because we don't know the song or it's the first time we've heard it or we don't agree with what's being said theologically. But I know, well, let me just say, um, obviously I'm biased, I'm the pastor. That doesn't happen here. We're not going to give you songs that stink theologically. And, and so when I'm sitting up here or standing up here and watching you sing, and I see a lot of you, and I'm not saying this is true, but when this might happen, standing up there like bumps on a log, listen, listen, you were disobeying. You're not disobeying me. You're not saying, oh, I don't want to do that. You're disobeying God. He says, sing, sing, make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be Pavarotti. It can be noise, but it still needs to be spoken. It needs to be something you engage in. You know, if you profess faith in Jesus and you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, and if you come to church regularly, 
But then you don't engage in the singing that God's people are called to engage in when they're gathered. At the best, you need to repent. And you need to change. You're disobeying. And can I just tell you something pastorally to you that I love? I love you. Can I tell you this? Singing is a measure, it's a barometer of your grasp of and love for the gospel. Do you know that? Do you have the joy expressed in Psalm 95 and 96? Do you believe? Like, do you believe? You can tell me, yeah, pastor, I believe that. But do you, like, is it embedded into your spiritual DNA that God is great? That God is worthy of your praise? Do you remember what God has done for you in the cross, what he's done for you in the empty tomb? Singing is one of the chief ways that our faith, our joy, our hope, our love, our peace is expressed visibly and audibly. And if you aren't expressing it, it's a fair question to ask, do you really believe it? Now I'm coming down hard on you because I want you to obey God. I want you to sing. If we believe that the gospel is the best news that we've ever heard, that it changes everything about our lives, then one of the many implications of that is that we will worship God in the ways that he tells us to worship him. And one of those is by using our voices to make music. So singing is something we do because we do it to obey. Now secondly, we sing to reflect God. We sing because it is a reflection. And what I mean by that is that in our singing... We are imaging, we are mirroring, we are reflecting a God who sings. Look at that Zephaniah passage that Lauren read for us. Sort of an obscure book in the Bible and an obscure verse there at the very end of this short prophecy where we read, verse 17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will, God, the subject of this verb, God will rejoice over you with gladness. God will quiet you by his love. God will exult over you with loud singing. Let me set the stage for this verse. You need to know something about the real God to understand this verse. God is a God who has infinite happiness and takes infinite delight in his own character. His gladness or his love in this verse. God is a God who is completely satisfied with his own amazing and immaculate glory. He is a God who celebrates his own godness. He's a God who celebrates what he has done in creation and in redemption. And now normally in the Bible, it is we who sing and exult in God because God is so great and because God is so glad in himself. But here that's reversed. Here God is exulting. He is singing. He is rejoicing over us. Here it is God who celebrates you. Whoa. He celebrates what he is making you to be in the gospel. He celebrates and sings about what he is doing in you right now. Just like a good artist celebrates and takes joy in his creation. My kids love to draw. They love to create things, especially Ainsley, my daughter. She's very artistic. And she will bring me, and as she's gotten older, of course, these progressively get better. She brings me her drawing or her sculpture, her Play-Doh sculpture or her painting or something she wrote. And she says, Dad, look at this. And you can just see it right on her face. She is exulting in it. <laughs> she's happy. It has made her glad. The 
ability to express herself artistically, and she wants me to join her in that, and so I gladly will do so. Ainsley, that is amazing. That's beautiful. Well done. That's so pretty. That's so glorious. And that's exactly what Zephaniah says God does about us. God is a singer. God is a musician. And God sings about how in the gospel of Jesus, he is taking rebels, he is taking people who are spiritually dead, bringing them back to life, and over time, forming them into people that are holy and glorious and joyful and saintly. He sings about that. In um, one of the Chronicles of Narnia, the magician's nephew, C.S. Lewis writes about how Narnia was created and uh, the story is told that in the way that Aslan is telling some children about how he made Narnia. And does anybody know how did, how, what Aslan did? He, he sang. He creates via a song. And I love this quote from the book. Let me just read this for you. Here's how Lewis puts it. <clears throat> They're going back and seeing how Aslan made everything. And here's what Lewis writes. Far overhead from beyond the veil of blue sky which hid them, the stars sang again. A pure, cold, difficult music. Then there came a swift flash like fire, but it burnt nobody, either from the sky or from the lion itself, and every drop of blood tingled in the children's bodies, and the deepest, wildest voice they had ever heard was singing, Narnia, 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 awake. Love, think, speak, be walking trees, be talking beasts, be divine waters. Why do you think music exists? The arts, and music in particular, exist because God is an artist and a musician. God sang the first song in history in Genesis 1.27. He sings about his creation of man. And anytime any of us ever receive joy in making or hearing music, in listening to beautiful singing, or in singing by yourself in your car or in your shower, you are in a very profound way imaging and reflecting your maker. The other day I was driving uh, down a road here in the shirt Cibolo area and stopped at a red light and I looked over, I'm sure you've had this experience too, I looked over and there's this woman in the car next to me just going at it. I mean, belting out a song as loud as she could, dancing, no holds barred, having a blast, like, to the point of this is dangerous for her to be doing this in traffic. I'm glad we're stopped at a red light. I've got to, like, get away from her ASAP, right? And, and as I thought about that, I thought, that's hilarious. You know, I laughed. And, and uh, the same thing happened just a couple days later. I was with the kids at the pool, and there was these, they always play, like, great, like, you know, 70s and 80s classic rock. And there were these, these two guys at the pool, and they were just, I mean, belting it out, singing Journey, and playing air guitar as loud as they could. And my kids were like, Dad, check that out. I was like, I know that is awesome. I want to join them. <laughs> and, and the reason that people do that isn't just because of like chemical reactions in our brains. The reason people do that is because we are reflecting God in our desire and love for melody and harmony and beat. We're reflecting the one who sang the universe into being. And, and I simply want to reflect on Zephaniah 3.17 here as we close for one moment more and drive it into our hearts as the Spirit moves. Listen to this. You've got to hear this. God is so satisfied 
with you in Jesus. He is so pleased with you in Jesus that he breaks out into singing as he watches what you are becoming in Jesus. God is a good father who loves his children, his sons and his daughters. God has great gladness in you. God rejoices over you. That's what this verse says. He takes tremendous delight in you, his family. That's how God feels. You know, sometimes just watching your children, especially when they were younger, watching them eat, watching them try to crawl, watching them cry, it just brings us as parents a sense of delight that very few other things in the world can do, right? And, and you need to understand that God feels that way about his people in Christ. And listen, if God is singing over you, if you believe that, if you believe that God is singing over you with his grace and love, and that does not make you want to sing back to him, then, then nothing else is really going to. The reason we sing is because we believe that God sings over us in the gospel. The reason we sing is because singing reflects God's own thoughts about us. The sovereign king of the universe delights in knowing you so much that he breaks out into song. And that should touch our hearts. If it doesn't, something is amiss. If God singing over you is really good news, how can you not respond by singing back to him? You might think that the way God views you is as an angry disciplinarian father, or worse, a traffic cop waiting to pull you over. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, the way God relates to you now and forever is as a beloved father who loves his children, who delights them in them just like this verse says. Do you believe that about God? If you believe that about God, then can we not, can we not mirror his rejoicing over us in Christ by rejoicing in him together? Sing. Sing. God calls you as a response to the gospel as a reflection of who he is, to sing. If you don't know the song, learn the song. If you feel embarrassed, well, stop. If you think it's not exactly your preference, well, then humble yourself and sing something in community that isn't exactly what you would have picked. But sing, because God sings. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your grace and love. Thank you that you are with us. And that in the Psalms, you tell us that... Singing is a way in which we can respond to you well. It's a way in which we can take delight in what you have done. So help us to do that, God. God, forgive us when we fail to respond to you, not just with a lack of singing or whatever, with a lack of hearts that are connected to what we're singing, but just with an apathy and general uh, ill disposition when we're with God's people in worship. Will you help us to change and move from, away from that into your grace and joy and love? May we make a joyful noise to you. Because if we don't sing, the rocks are going to cry out, as the scripture says elsewhere. So God, give us that kind of gladness, we pray. And we thank you that you have that kind of gladness for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The next few minutes are opportunities for us to respond to the God of the gospel. One way we do that at Christ Church is through the confession of our sin and hearing his assurance of pardon. There's a prayer of confession right here behind me on the screen. I'm going to ask us to worship as we pray this out loud together reminding ourselves of our own need for forgiveness and then hearing his assurance of pardon. So let's confess our sin. Please join me. Let's pray together. God of mercy, 
You sent Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost. We confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected justice, and ignored your truth. Have mercy, O God, and forgive our sin. Return us to paths of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.